Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. All right, well, Father, we're so grateful to be here this morning. Thank you for all you've already done in us. We thank you for your presence that's in this place. We invite you to, to stay, Father. We want this presence here the whole service. So I thank you for continuing to work in people's hearts and people's minds this morning, even as we preach and even as we worship at the end. Father, we're open to all you have for us today, and we thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys can go back to your seat this morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. I'm feeling rested, so even if you're not, I'm good, and we're going to have a good morning. You ready for that? Awesome. Hey, wasn't Pastor Alvin amazing last night? I loved every second of that, Pastor Alvin. And then Shelby Lynn this morning. My goodness, please give it up for her again. She did so incredible. I just cry usually the whole time she speaks. You're probably getting the impression I cry at everything. That's correct. But especially when she's up talking, she's just so anointed. So thank you so much, Shelves, wherever you are. You did an incredible job. And I also want to thank uh, Dr. Jacobs and PJ for allowing me to speak. I don't consider myself just a, a shoe-in or an automatic person on the list. So I am honored and really excited to be here with you today. And I want to let you know something pretty dramatic happened to me today. I was at breakfast, and I choked on my eggs so bad they nearly came out my nose. I'm not joking. I had to leave the room so that people did not see me suffer in public, but the enemy brought an attack, and we triumphed anyway. So I am glad to be here with you, and if you saw me, I'm very sorry because no one wants to be next to the choking person at breakfast, and it was fake eggs, so I, I just don't even know how that happened. So if you were nearby, I do apologize, but I made it here today, and I'm glad I did. So today's message is very simply called God is Love. God is Love. Are you catching on to like maybe a theme throughout summer camp like I am? I didn't know what other people were going to show up and preach on. I just knew what I was bringing. But we've heard a lot about the love of God, and I believe that's because God is trying to speak to each of you about the love of God. And sometimes I think it's something easy to skip over. Because if you've grown up in church, you start hearing about God's love in preschool, right? When you're three years old, you sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, right? For the Bible tells me so. So we hear so much about Jesus' love and God's love that I know I've been guilty of just not putting a lot of thought into it sometimes. Like, yes, he loves me, but what does that really mean? His love is not a human love. His love is like nothing that we've experienced outside of him. And when God moves and does things, there is always fruit and results. So I can stand here and say, God is love and God loves me, but let's follow that through to the other end and see what that means. What is the fruit and the result of that? God is love. So we're going to start in 1 John 4, 16 through 19 this morning. And it says this, we have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. So the part of, oh, there we go. Thank you. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. Hey, that's good news. If God is love, God is not in a punishment. 
But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. And whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So if you're scared of God coming for you, you don't know he loves you. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Verse 19, our love for others is our grateful response to the love of God first demonstrated to us. So in that very first verse, it said simply, God is love. And I think this is noteworthy because if you've noticed, our world is really trying to figure out what love is, right? I could bring all of you up here and I could say, what is love? And you could give me some kind of definition, like love is maybe when someone puts you first. Love is when someone supports you. Love is when someone takes care of you. Or you've seen those little videos of like the four-year-olds who are like, you know, love is when you cook somebody breakfast every morning, or love is when you eat Chinese even though you don't like Chinese, or whatever it is. You know, we put all these human definitions on love, and now we're even seeing people saying, love is love. You can't define a word by the same word, right? Would you agree? We're looking, trying to define love, and we're coming to conclusions that don't even make sense. Love is love. That's not a helpful statement. (laughs) You provided no definition for me. There's nothing there for me to grab a hold on. So what is love? We could sit around and talk about that all day, but the Bible sums it up just to say, God is love. And for many people, that's a little bit of like a letdown phrase, honestly. You would rather have a love like the notebook or the Titanic or I don't know. What do you guys watch these days? It's cool. I haven't seen, I don't watch that many movies. I'm not very fun, you know, but, uh, you know, we just want, we just want this love. So when we hear God is love, it's like, okay, yeah, but like, I'm talking about, you know, the love of my life or like, you know, the person who's going to like love me, like my person. Okay. But God is love. So if we want to experience love, we're going down all the wrong trails just trying to find it because we're trying to define love to the point it doesn't make sense anymore. We reduce love down to human standards, and that's our first mistake. Many of us would sit up here and maybe describe love, and we would do it entirely on human terms, completely. And that's why sometimes we don't connect with the phrase, I think God is love, because God is so far above anything that we could humanly come up with, right? Our minds sometimes can have a hard time uh, figuring out what that means because it's not like anything we've experienced on the earth. It's something completely different and supernatural and powerful because God is love. So we don't want it watered down to human standards when it didn't originate with humans. Love didn't come from us. Love came from God, right? Caleb brought that out. God loved us first. He was there first, and he's the one who's given us a need for love. We all want to be loved, every human on this planet. And God is saying something really simple to say, hey, you need love. Guess what? I am love. You're looking for love? I am love. You want love? Okay, easy. I am love. It originated with God, so the love that you're looking for will be found in him. That's why nothing else works. That's why nothing else is satisfying. That's why nothing else reaches the standard because it's not the standard. It can't be. God is love. And so this is simple but powerful because it frees us from the human limits of love and we can step into God's unlimited love, which is something I want every single one of you to experience this year at summer camp. But I want to talk to you about why this is important. Why does it really matter? Why do we need to realize God is love and really define love by him and through him, and we see the answer in Ephesians three eighteen through 19. It says this, 
be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ that far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. This is the result of understanding and comprehending God's love. It says this, you will really experience God's presence in your life and be filled and flooded with him. If you feel like you have a hard time hearing from God or feeling his presence or experiencing him in your everyday life, I will challenge you to say it's because you're not comprehending his love for you. That's what Paul was praying. I pray that you would comprehend God's love so that you can fully experience his presence in your life. And the whole world is looking for that, but especially Christians. And I believe a lot of times this is why Christians flake out and stop attending church. They're like, well, I don't know. I just, I just can't hear from God. I just, I don't know. Like everyone else seems to have these experiences, but I don't. He seems to talk to other people, but I can't hear him. And that's frustrating because you were made to hear him. If you feel like you don't hear God speak, you probably don't enjoy church a whole lot. It might be a frustrating experience for you, right? If you feel like you can't hear God speak, you probably don't enjoy reading your Bible that much because it's a frustrating experience. You're missing the fullness of his presence that you were made for. And I see this frustrate a lot of Christians, but those verses said, hey, if you're having trouble experiencing God's presence, back it up and see if you really comprehend his love for you fully. Because when you do, it will change everything in your Christian life. So because of God's love, I want to share with you this morning three things that God is to us. He's a loving God, and because he is a loving God, he is these three things to us. Number one, God is our Father. God is our Father, and we see this in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18, it says this, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean, and I will embrace you. I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord Yahweh Almighty. And this is interesting. He says, I'll be a true father to you. And this is an important distinction because I realize as I stand up here in front of you and I say, God is your father, that means something different to everyone in the room. Everyone in the room, every single one of us have a different father. Some of you have great fathers. Some of you have absent fathers. Some of you may not know your father. Some of you may not have a father in your life. Some of your fathers may have hurt you. So this can be a little difficult. We need to bring some explanation to it because if I stand up here and say, God is your father, that means wonderful things to some people and it might feel really confusing to other people, right? Our experiences are all a little different than that. But the Bible clarifies and says, I will be a true father to you. So what is a true father? God is a true father. And a true father, I believe, does two things. Number one, he provides. And we see this in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. It says this, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, the true father, give good gifts to those who ask him? 
It is saying a true father, your heavenly father, a good father gives good gifts to his children. So let me reframe your idea of a father this morning. Number one, when I say God is your father, I mean that he provides for you. He gives you good gifts. And I mean this in two ways, both physically and emotionally, right? A father physically provides, right? Most dads work and they put food on the table for their family, but they also emotionally provide for their children. And I want to say to you today, I believe, you know, a lot of our churches, we've grown up hearing about God's physical provision, which is great, right? We can receive healing. Amazing. That's a good gift. We can receive financial help. Amazing. That's a good gift. But we can also be taken care of financially. What does that look like? I can have perfect peace because I have a true father. I am not fatherless. I can have peace in my mind. Is that a good gift? Yes, it is. I can have freedom. I can have complete emotional fulfillment. I have challenged people in the last few years because I found this to be so true in my life. People just look for love in all the wrong places and they stay in the wrong relationship looking for provision, right? They're looking for peace. They're looking for support, someone to provide support, someone to provide encouragement, someone to provide love, someone to provide friendship. Listen, God does all of the above, and I mean that in a very literal way. Do not date a bunch of fools just because you feel like you need somebody. You have somebody. He is a good father, and it is God. And people water God down and act like he's not big enough. Like, well, it's not the same. It's better. You need support? Okay, you have a good father. You need peace for your mind? You need someone to encourage you? You have a good father. And I know this because this has been true in my own life. You know who has encouraged me more than anyone on the planet? God. You know who's come in and spoke to me when I'm struggling and I need somebody to build me up? God. (laughs) You know who's come in and helped me when I've been depressed or anxious and I just couldn't get settled? God. No other person. He is a God of good gifts and he's a good father, which means he provides for us physically and emotionally. The second thing a true father does, I believe, is that he protects. And it says this in 2 Timothy 4, 17 through 18. I love this. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his kingdom. So the second thing a good father does is he protects. And I mean this again physically. We believe that we have angels, right, that protect us. We believe we can plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves and over our families and experience protection. We believe Psalms 91 that says, a thousand can fall by my side and 10,000 at the other side, but it's not going to come near me, right? Those are very physical demonstrations of protection. But again, God provides for you emotionally protection, emotionally protection. I love the story of the three Hebrew boys, Rakshak and Benny, who were thrown into the fiery furnace, right? They were being thrown in to be killed, and the furnace was heated to a place it was so hot that actually the guards that threw them in died from the heat. Pretty intense. (laughs) I love this story. It's so cool. So the three guys are in the furnace, and the king is trying to watch them burn, which is which is a lot to think about. That's heavy. So it was a different day and time. I don't want to see anyone burn. But the king is in there trying to watch. And he says, how many people did we throw into the furnace? And they said, well, three. 
And he's looking into the furnace and he's saying, who is that fourth man? There's four people in there. We threw three in the furnace, but there's four. And the fourth, of course, was Jesus. So those three boys walked out of the furnace and it says they didn't even smell like smoke. They had literally been thrown into a fire that was intended to kill them and it killed other people, but they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. And I believe that when we look at that, we surely see God's physical protection. But I say it's interesting for them to note they didn't even smell like smoke. You couldn't even tell that they had been through that. You couldn't even tell that something had happened to them. So I want to say to you today, if you've been through trauma, if you have difficult family situations, if you're in situations that you've been put into that are out of your control and that you know aren't right, listen to me. You can come out of it not even smelling like smoke. There's physical protection, but there is emotional protection too from that trauma. That was traumatizing. Those guys, they were trying to kill them. If you go through a near-death experience, that is traumatizing. But they came out strong, not even looking like they had been through anything and not even smelling like they had been through anything. And I want to say to you, I'm not discounting the severity of your situation, but I am saying you have a good father that can protect you from all of that so that you're able to come out of that situation not damaged and not impaired and not messed up for the rest of your life. You can come out of it strong and whole because of the power of God. You have a good father who protects. So that's a little framework about a true father. A true father provides for us physically and emotionally, and a true father protects us physically and emotionally. So God is your father. And again, that's one thing that we can sometimes grow up hearing and be like, okay, you know, whatever. God is my father. Put some thought into it. What does that mean for your life? What needs are you trying to meet outside of your father? Who are you looking to for provision and protection? And I got to ask myself this too. You know who I tend to look to? Myself, not a good option for provision and protection. I can do neither of those things for myself. We all try to look somewhere when God is saying, hey, listen, I love you and I'm your father. I'm a good father. I'm a true father and I provide and protect. The second thing out of his love for us is that God is our friend. And we see this in Psalms 139, 1 through 6. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You're so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. You know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Hey, there you go. You're spared from the harm of your past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. And these verses are really powerful because when we think God loves us, and God is our friend, that's actually amazing when we really realize that he knows us as well as he does, right? <laughs> he created us, and he knows every part of us, and I'm talking about the parts that you're embarrassed about, right? 
God knows every part, but he is a friend. He knows you fully. He understands you fully, and he still loves you fully. There is no one on the planet that can do that, right? This is why sometimes we have a hard time understanding that because we don't experience that from humans, right? A lot of times people love us if we do what they want, and then they maybe don't love us if we don't do what they want, right? Or they love us on a good day, they don't like us on a bad day. They love us if they're in this mood, they don't like us if they're in this mood. God is not like that. He loves us completely, even though he knows us and understands us completely. If you think um, that your mistakes are just so big and you think, oh my gosh, I could never tell anyone You don't have to tell God. He already knows, and he still loves you completely. He is still a friend, and this is what is so valuable about God knowing me like that is that I can talk to him about anything, absolutely anything. I can talk to him about the things I'm embarrassed about, the things I would never say aloud to anyone else, the things that I did last night that I shouldn't have done, the thing I picked back up I said I wouldn't do again, the thing I looked up on my phone the other night that I tried to quit for months, you know? I can talk to God about that stuff because he is a friend who knows me completely. So I wanna say, do you talk to God like he's someone who loves you? Do you talk to him like he's someone trying to help you? What do you do when you go to someone for help, right? If you're really going to get help, you got to lay it all out on the table, right? If you're going to get help, there can't be secret things and hidden things and half the story and part of the story. No, when you are really getting help, you come clean about it all. And there is a God who loves you so much that you can take anything to him and put it all out on the table and bring it to him because he is love. He is a loving God. He is going to respond in love every single time. But more than that, he's going to respond with help for you because he is a friend. Do you talk to him like he's someone who loves you? Do you talk to him like he's your best friend? I talk to God in an extremely unpolished way, extremely unpolished way. I talk to him just like I talk to anyone I talk to him about everything. Now, I'm not just trying to go to him and complain all the time, but if I'm having a bad day, I do let him know. And it sounds a little something like this. God, I'm having a really rough day. I am extremely frustrated. But right now, I choose to walk in your peace because I know that you love me. I know that I'm not without help. And I know that peace is available if only I will choose it. So I bring all of that to God. Why? He loves us enough to be our friend. He loves us enough to be our friend. And I think too many people miss out on a real relationship with God just because they don't talk to him. Right? When we don't realize how he loves us and the extent of which he loves us, we tend to not talk to him because we are embarrassed. If we laid everything out on the table, it's not that pretty, right? It's not exciting. It doesn't feel good. There's not always things to be proud about. And when you don't know how much God loves you, you're not going to take those things to him. Why? Because you're embarrassed. You think he's looking to punish you like those verses referenced earlier, right? Depending on your framework for a father, you may be thinking like, I don't know how he's going to respond to this. Don't miss out on a real relationship with God just because you're not talking to him. If you can talk, then you can talk to God. Prayer is talking to God. If you can talk to people, you can talk to God. And when we think about God being our friend, um, it's kind of implied we have to talk to him, right? How do you make a friend? How do you get to know someone? You talk to him, right? 
you talk to them and at first maybe it feels kind of funny or at first you don't have a lot to say so you just talk about boring things and then you keep talking to them and as you get to know them there's more to talk about and you talk about more but guess what they also talk about more right they start to share what's going on in their life you share what's going on with yours we talk to people and build relationships and guess what it's that easy with God if you feel like you don't hear God talk to you I want to ask are you talking to him (laughs) are you talking to him we are his sheep We hear his voice. The Bible promises us that. And I think so many people are just scared that they won't hear from God. They just skip talking to him anyway and don't even try. They just don't talk to him. Do you talk to him in the morning when you get up and you're feeling depressed? Do you talk to him when you're leaving school in tears because it was such a bad day? Do you talk to him when you leave the house because it's getting crazy at home and you're going to take a drive for a second? Do you talk to him? He is here not just to be your father, but to be your friend. And I want to look at John 1, 9. It says this, if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. You can freely admit anything to God. He's not going to be shocked. He was there when you did it. He was there when you thought it. (laughs) He was there when it happened. Freely admit things to God and receive his forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive us every time. You can talk to God freely. You don't just talk to God when you're happy. And you don't just talk to God when you're at church. You can talk to him freely because he is a friend. And Hebrews 4.16 says this. I better read it. I didn't write the whole thing. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace... That is the throne of God's gracious favor. It's not the throne of punishment, and it's not the throne of, like, intimidation. No, it's a throne of grace. With confidence and without fear, here's what will happen. If you take things to God, approach him with confidence and without fear, you will receive mercy for your failures and find his amazing grace to help in the time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. And listen, this has been so true in my life. When I don't bring my sins to God, I give the devil the opportunity to bring that into every day of my life. Either I will continue to do it or I will move forward feeling guilty about it, right? So many times we don't go to God because we feel like something's hanging over our head. And listen, I have to watch myself because I even do this sometimes today. Sometimes I'll realize like, I, oh, I need, to, I need to pray and ask God for this. I need to pray about that. And my mind will instantly think, well, did you, you think you spent enough time with him this week to do that? You know, this happens to me. <laughs> and I do pray and I do read my Bible and I do worship. But those thoughts still come to me like, well, well, are you sure you've done enough really to be able to ask him for something? Do you think you need to worship him a little more first? No, it is saying come boldly to the throne of grace and you will receive help right on time, every time, because God is a true friend and a God of love. He loves you. He wants you to bring those things to him. He wants you to ask for what you need. And it is so simple. When I finally just stopped and started asking God for what I need, I do this at my desk at work. I sit there and say, God, I need your peace right now. And you know what happens? Peace comes. And when I am stuck on something and I need a solution, then I say, God, I need an answer. And you know what happens? 
an answer comes. Even if I don't feel like I checked all the boxes that day, even if my word time was a little short that day, even if I didn't get my worship in that morning, God is faithful. Those things are not a checklist for you to qualify for his blessing. Those things are to minister to you and help you grow, but even if you're not perfect in doing them, you still can go to him for help because he's good, because <laughs> he is your father and he is your friend. He is not holding things back from you. You can talk to him about everything and he will respond in love every time, no matter what you've done. You will find the help you need right on time if you'll simply Go to him boldly and just take it to him and lay it out in front of him. I know God loves me so much, and so I'm not scared to tell him anything. Again, if you feel afraid to tell God something, first of all, he already knows it. But second of all, you don't realize how he loves you. His love casts out fear, right? I Now, I understand this because when we grew up, it was not like, uh, did anyone like go tell their parents when they did something wrong? Is there anyone in the room who did that? bless you. Okay. Um, I didn't. Now, I do feel like in my family, I'm the oldest child. So if we charted it all up, all up, I feel like I, I maybe had like a shorter list of wrong things than some of my other siblings. Any other older siblings feel like that? Okay. All right. You guys are not passionate about this. My other siblings turned out way cooler and way funner than me, though. I'm the boring one. So they, they have the better end of the deal here. But when you're a kid, you don't run to your parents to tell them what you did wrong. Why? Yes, you might have a spanking spoon in your house. You might get grounded for the entire summer. I don't know. A lot of things can happen. Um, you're going to get in trouble, right? So sometimes we grow up with this, and we have to change the way that we think to say, hey, I can take anything to God because he's not going to punish me. He is my father, but I'm not going to him to receive punishment. I'm going to receive help so I can talk to him about anything because I know he loves me. The third thing that God is to us is that God is our future. And it says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I think most of you in this room have heard this verse, and I think most of you in this room believe that it's true. You know God has a plan for you, a calling for you, a future for you, whatever you want to call it. But I think people struggle to fully believe that they will like it. They're like, yes, God has a plan, but I also have a plan, and I think my plan sounds pretty fun, right? I think my plan sounds really good. I've talked to like a lot of people about my plan and they all said it was, it sounded like a good plan and I would probably be good at that. And when we look at God's plan, I just, I just see it in sometimes people's minds. They're not buying into it because they don't think they will like it. If you feel that way, again, you don't know how much God loves you. He knows you completely. And listen to me. He knows what you want more than you know what you want. I promise. He knows every part of you. And he has a perfect plan that will make you completely satisfied and full of joy. Your plan is not meant for you to just do things for him and be miserable. That's not God's plan for you. His plan is not just a checklist of the ways you can serve him. His plan, because he loves you, is to bring you complete fulfillment, 
total joy, and he'll throw a lot of things in there all along the way just to make you happy and just to bless you. He really will. You know, think about when you get a gift for your best friend. You know when you buy gifts for, like, some people that you don't know that well, and you're like, I don't even know what to get them. You're going to get a gift card because I, <laughs> I can't pick out something for you. It's okay. It's okay to give a gift card, right? It's, like, kind of fun. But it's so fun to pick out a gift for somebody that you know and that you know they're going to love it, Right? That is how God has crafted his plan for you. It is not a to-do list. It is not a set of rules. It is not a boring road. It is a gift that he knows you're going to love because he knows you better than anyone and loves you more than anyone. So if you struggle to step into God's plan for your life because you're fearful, it's because you don't know how much he loves you. His plan will make you so happy. Do you believe it? I think most people don't. God wants you to be happy more than you want you to be happy. He knows you more than you know you. And sometimes you have to just accept, too, that God is wiser than you are. The things that made me happy when I was 20 don't make me happy now. So that's the cool thing about God's plan. It brings joy through your whole life, right? The older you get, the more your priorities change. Do you know what my dream life is? It's just a life of joy and peace. I don't really care about anything else. And if you had asked me when I was 20, I would have had a really good list of maybe my career and my house and some vacations and some events and this and that. But God's plan will satisfy you through every stage of life. Sometimes we just have to accept, listen, I am not as smart as God is. I don't know myself the way that he knows me, and I don't even love myself the way that he loves me. So my plan is going to fall through and will frustrate me because I can't come up with something that's going to satisfy. Why? I can't love myself that way. God is love. If I need satisfaction and I need that out of a plan for my life, it's found only in his plan. So you're not going to be interested in his plan unless you really, really believe that he really loves you really knows you, and really understands you. And again, coming back to thinking of God as our friend, we have to spend time with him. If you want to trust God with your future, you're going to have to know today that he loves you, but you're also going to have to know that tomorrow and next week and the month after that. And this means I've got to spend time with him every day or those things are going to slip out of my mind, right? If I really am trusting God with my future, this is something I do every day. When you guys are in school, you go every day, right? When I go to work, I go pretty much every day. Why? Because we're working towards something and we're building something here. Your future with God is the same. You will have to get with him every single day. It says that he directs our steps. So if I want God to direct my step, I need to involve him in every step. And if he's got me walking this way, that's fine. I'm listening to him. Okay, I got with him today. I spent some time in prayer. I was reading my Bible. I spent some time in worship. So he's directing my steps. But as soon as I drop that, you know who starts directing my steps? Me, with some help from the enemy as well. <laughs> and I'm going to quickly drift, and it doesn't take long. Have you guys ever gotten lost, like on a drive or a hike or anything like that? I'm that person who can get lost in an instant. I've accepted it at this point. I don't care. I live in the age of Google Maps. 
Don't tell me directions. They're not going to help. I'm just going to use my phone and we'll get there. That's how I am. Nothing has changed so far. So, but the same is with God. I need him. He's my Google Maps. And if I try to get there without him, my steps are going to start to just drift away. And suddenly I'm going to be in a destination I don't like. And sometimes we stand there and say, God, Like, this is terrible. What happened? You said this, and I got a word that said this, and I know that your Bible says this, so why am I here? Well, we stopped listening to him. We stopped seeking him about our future. But the good news is, it's really easy just to step back in the plan of God. It is so easy to get back on the right path. You're not disqualified. Shelb said it this morning. You're not disqualified. Just because you stepped off the path, step back on. It's that easy. It can be easy to get off, but it can be easy to get back on. You can take care of it in just about an instant by checking your heart, getting back in line with God and saying, okay, God, I'm with you. I trust you with my future because you are my future. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Here's the part I want to focus on. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. If you want God's future for your life, you're going to have to remind yourself every day he's completely dependable. Why? Because he loves us. He is love, he is my father, he is my friend, he is my future, and he is completely dependable. And this is something you have to remind yourself of daily. Are you guys catching on to the fact that a lot of this is daily? Like Shelby Lynn said, it doesn't have to be a million hours, but it does need to be every day. But when you know how much he loves you, it's a joy. I don't want to go through a single day without treating him as if he's not completely dependable, because he is. I don't want to go a single day trying to order my own steps. I don't want to go a single day without reading my Bible, because I don't like the way I feel and act when I don't do it. I don't want to go a single day without praying in the Spirit, because I don't like the way I feel and act when I don't do it. And I know that he loves me, so it's a joy to do those things. I want to do them. They enhance my life. They make my life better. And the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, He'll do it. God knows what you want more than you know what you want. And he loved you so much, he designed a future that you will be obsessed with. I promise. You don't have to have a doubt in your mind about that. It's a future to fulfill every dream of your heart and take you further than you ever thought you could go. And that's done through God because he is our future. So if the worship team could go ahead and join me this morning, I'm almost done today. But all of these things, realizing that God is our father and God is our friend and God is our future, those are all laid on the foundation that he loves us. If you don't understand that he loves you, you'll struggle with all three of those things. It will be very hard to approach God as your father or approach him as your friend or approach him as your future if you don't first understand his love for you because he loves you completely. And all three of those things come out of the knowledge that he loves you completely, and if you fail to understand that, you'll fail to receive him as any of those things in your life. And when we say God is love, uh, maybe you started thinking this way. I know I did when I was putting this together. I thought of 1 Corinthians 13, right? It tells us the characteristics of love, right? It says love is this and love is that. So I actually don't want this on the PowerPoint. I didn't give it to them on purpose. I want you guys to listen to me instead of read it up there. So we see Um, That these things are love out of 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, love is patient 
and kind. It's never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. It rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. It is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting, and love never fails. And if you're like me, I've grown up reading that as a checklist for myself. Like, if I'm a good Christian, and I'm, I'm doing what I'm called to do, and I'm walking in love, then these are the things that I need to do, right? So I've read this for years, and I've said, you know, I am patient, I am kind, I, am, I do not keep record of wrongs. And sometimes those were true, sometimes they were faith statements, but I've grown up confessing that. But when I was preparing this, God said, listen, I am love, so I am all these things. You've treated this as a list for yourself, something you do. Why don't you turn it around and look at it as a list of things that I do? So I want you to listen. Let's believe I can make it through this without crying. It says this. God is patient with you. God is kind to you. He's never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude to you. He isn't selfish or quick-tempered with you. He does not keep a record of the wrongs that you do. He's always supportive of you. He's hopeful for you. He is trusting of you, and he never fails you. I'm going to read it again. God is patient with you every time he's patient with you. God is kind to you. Every day he's looking for ways to be kind to you. He's never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude to you. He isn't selfish or quick-tempered with you, and I'm grateful for that one. He does not keep a record of the wrongs that you do. He's not keeping track. When you feel like you've blown it this week, you're keeping track, but he's not. God does not keep a record of the wrongs that you do. He is always supportive of you. He is completely loyal to you. He is always hopeful for you and trusting of you, and he never fails you. And if you leave with anything today, I want you to take that list home and read it to yourself every day. Not to read it as your to-do list for today, but God's to-do list towards you. Because he is love, and those are the things that he's looking to do for you every day. So as we close this service, I don't feel led to lay hands on you, but I do want to open up an altar call. That if you struggle to understand God's love, and you just want to experience that today, I believe as we come up here and worship, you will. And if you struggle to receive God as your father, or your friend, or your future, I want you to come up here today, and I believe he's going to address that in his presence. I don't need to pray for you or touch you today. He's just going to take care of it right up here as we all worship. So worship team, please lead us, and you guys can come on up here if any of that applies to you today. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media.